Welcome back to the Free Association Hour. I'm Splat Chuckles. I'm back with... Uh... <laughs> Splat Chuckles? <laughs> let's, get, let's keep that one. I love it. <laughs> Cars on Mars. Welcome back to Cars on Mars. When we last left you, cars were on Mars. Josh, no, we're not doing this one. Josh. I'm on Mars! Stop, stop right now. This is terrible. (laughs) The Hitler Podcast! Hello and welcome back to The Hitler Podcast. No, no, we're not doing this. Uh, No. We're not doing this one. Josh, no. We're not doing this one. We're going straight to the crapshoot. Okay. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Crapshoot. You are welcome to this episode. Thank you should you. feel Thank welcomed. You. The Thank listener, not oh, Josh. Oh, I thought you were welcoming me. Now I, now I feel actively unwelcome. Unwelcome to episode 19 of the crapshoot. No, just you are unwelcome. The listener is still welcome. If I have to feel this way, they should too. They should really... I want them to have a kind of sense memory of this episode. I want them to be able to really experiencing... This is kind of the emotional Oculus Rift of podcasts is what we're going for here. (laughs) We want people to be just like blown away by the stereoscopic ennui that comes over them when they realize uh, how unwelcome I am feeling and that they, by sympathy, will feel. It's basically... This, did you ever see the movie Strange Days? Mm-hmm. Ray Fiennes? Well, this is basically that. This is basically... That's what this is. That movie is about the future of this podcast in the past. Should we change the iTunes description for the podcast? I think we should. I think Oculus that, Rift of Ennui? Yeah. That's a, or or maybe, maybe that could just be the title sure. uh, for this episode. Which we said it early enough, I might hear it when I'm sound checking the episode. Uh, that's the biggest problem when we come up with titles for the show in the middle of the show or yeah. later in the show when we've been drinking and get our really good think on mm-hmm. is uh, I, I there's a very small chance because I, I jump through the episode as I'm mixing it down to make sure the levels are good and stuff. But uh, you know, I'm going to so hear probably not, five minutes total. It's not fair to say that you don't listen to the right. episode. That's a gross just, mischaracterization. Just to say that you don't care about the episode exactly. would be much more Yeah, you know, it's it, it's... It's it's basically it's a it's what uh, detectives dealing with uh, sociopathic crime call a lack of affect. Mm. All the all all the sort of jocular jocularity in my voice, the sense of camaraderie we have here, is an elaborate act that I'm I'm putting on while imagining uh, basically just murdering people or puppies or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's I'm dead inside. Sure. Is basically the the whole idea. I always so, thought uh, it was a filter you put on your your voice. Well, that too. In you know, posts. It's to it, make you sound it's jocular. A com- it's a combination. You know, you want to juice it a little bit. You Since know. all I'm getting right now in real life is a dead-eyed stare and a monotone drone. Just sort of a, a weird, uh, unpunctuated keening coming out of my my slack jaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it puts people off at first, but it's you know you get used to it. And so then any I, vo- you know. like voice variation you're hearing on the as a listener to this podcast, 
uh, is is all added in. And that's the main reason I don't processing. listen to the whole thing. I really have difficulty dealing with the sound of human speech. Mm. Uh, with you, it's 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 an effort I can make every couple weeks. But sure, uh, I'm droning enough that you yeah, can pick you up know, it's on like you, I mean. you're essentially subhuman. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is how I I fondly think of you. So uh, uh, so that's okay. It's manageable. Sure. I would say. Uh, mandibligible? Uh, eh, no, yeah. not really. Uh, what did you bring for us to, to drink, oh, Jesse? Oh, should we start recording the podcast now? Oh, yeah, maybe. Okay. Maybe. I'm Josh Millard. I'm Jesse Holden. And I'm Josh Millard. He sure still is. Um, <laughs> what's... Uh, w- w- yeah, as you can tell, we're both still ourselves, that, That's as close to you. a fake podcast <laughs> as we were done during the real podcast. Um... Uh, what is going on in Portland with cider? What is, can you tell me every uh, single time I walk into a little liquor store, there's one more cider on the shelf and it's, soon every shelf will be full of cider in the cooler and then they'll spread beyond the cooler and take over the aisles that have like band-aids and stale cereal. In them. It's an interesting thing. I've noticed there's more cider. Maybe it's partly a summer thing because it's like hot as fuck and people are like, oh, hey, I don't usually drink alcoholic beverages, but maybe if there's something that's not quite beer, you know, and then, and then the cider time and um, I'm, as i'm sure you have too and this is the first year i've noticed it yeah i, I i'm i can't say uh part of it probably i i don't really survey the the convenience stores super well because mm-hmm. like there's the one a block from here uh and we'll get back to that but uh <laughs> that'd be so much better with a camera because my my yeah anyway just uh, imagine josh's that's the face one extra scary for yes. a second uh the, the keening gets louder the jaw gets slacker um yeah, there's the one Seven Eleven like a block over, so I don't really go to any other convenience store ever. Mm-hmm. So whatever they have is what convenience stores stock. So yeah, I don't really have a, a broad view of of what people are stocking. But I was gonna say, I feel like there has been more cider, and uh, there's a nice bottle shop in St. John's, Barrique Barrel, um, uh, that the lady runs. That uh, she's gotten into cider in the last couple of years so we've sort of seen cider coming up in her shop too and and i think maybe maybe that's just the whole thing but the interesting thing to me about this uh proceeding thereby from the assumption that there's a real blooming of cider in portland is you still manage to show up with like the most like standard common cider you could have found even when there wasn't a cider thing. The, is the, it? The Hornsby's? That's I good like, to know. I See, because like this is all everywhere. uncharted waters for me. Oh, really? Um, uncharted ciders? Uncharted ciders for me. The um, it, it, Me and my partner Whitney are kind of getting into cider drinking as, you know, a hobby. Um, you drink the cider drink. Yeah. And... Uh, We've tried a number, and it seems like Angry Orchard is the one that's is in in like a major that, push that going seems, on right yeah, now. And yeah. not only not only are they just on every shelf, but there's like three varieties, and they have real strong branding, so you can just see yeah. the block of Angry Orchard on the shelf. Yeah. And I sort of assume that's like Anheuser Busch or someone like you know. It could a big be, push yeah. There. But I I may have even seen like Angry Orchard billboards and stuff. So um, so I don't know. We've tried a handful of them, and this is. It's weird that you would say that because this is the first time I've seen Hornsby's. See, I think of it as like sort of like the standard. Yeah. I mean, not to say it's necessarily bad or anything. I've never been a huge cider fan. And so like the fact that the bottle shop in town has started stocking ciders is nice because they're stocking Mm -hmm. a a more interesting variety. And and the woman who runs the shop is sort of like, you know, actually having opinions and being like, oh, well, this is interesting. And they had a cider tasting. That was kind of nice to try out a few things. 
Um, so I think of Howard's Bees as like a real, just like, this is a hard apple cider, you know, sort of just like a very basic, this is what hard apple, apple cider is. Whereas I've tried things that are a little bit more out there, a little bit, uh, there's drier stuff. There's a, a real dry hoppy one that some company makes, uh, that's really a lot more interesting to me as a cider than like apple cider, just cause apple cider is a much more ubiquitous approach that a lot of, uh, people seem to do, um, but anyway, yeah. So that's no, that's well, that, yeah. I, I kind of I mean, feel like I'm shooting it, on it. I don't mean to. Cause. Oh, that's funny because it's not what I expected. I, I mean, either, I, I always either bring a beer that I think uh, is going to be okay, and then you shit on that, or I bring some awful thing and then you defend it. So I figured like this. It's I was, an adversarial I was system. Is what where, we have. where on the on the line uh, a hard cider would would fall, but. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's it's I, for whatever reason, whatever my ha- my personal circuit of liquor stores in Portland, Oregon happens to be. I haven't run across Hornsby's, huh. although it's only been really a matter of weeks, if uh, if anything, uh, that I've even noticed take taken notice of uh, of hard, hard cider as even a genre of drink. Um, it's weird because I do I have been drinking it some and you know picking a couple up here and there and throwing some in the fridge at home, but um, never it's not not in a way that takes the place of beer for me because it doesn't it tastes so dissimilar it scratches such a dissimilar itch from beer that i don't if i if i'm in the mood for a beer i don't want a cider and if i'm in the mood for a cider i don't have yeah beer. They're, they're they're two different beverage niches like a, a cider for me is is a little bit more of a sipping thing like I, I i can't imagine ever like just quaffing a cider like oh i've got done mowing the lawn i'm gonna drink an entire cider immediately sure. like, you know it's just it's it's a, got a little bit too much sweetness to it it's Oh yeah, you know. it's it's. The, I mean, they're most of the ones I've had are real corn syrupy, which is yeah. kind of like. Uh, on the one hand, it's just like this is the kind of drink I, as a teenager, I always promised oh, sure. I would yeah. never it's, be it, yeah, the guy who ended up drinking like Zima or whatever. The yeah, fuck. it's right there with the yeah and Mike's Harp lemonade that sort of thing. Right, that was what I was going to say when you were saying Hornsby's is kind of the the first thing you'd think of. Is I was just well, I mean, I guess Mike's Harp lemonade isn't a cider, but it's still well, yeah. like it's still I, I, like yeah. the, the ambassador for the genre in my yeah. mind. And, and I was thinking specifically cider not okay. like all sweets malt sure. beverages um I, I i think in general ciders do a little bit better than some of those more syrupy things uh i don't know i never had a mike's hard lemonade but the, there's like 17 flavors of remember it when we had smirnoff ice that one time no i don't yeah, remember any yeah, of that mike's hard lemonade i got is really, not really hard that night yeah. really <laughs> see I, I mostly got scotched that night oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would say that's kind of what. Let's let's not get into a fifteen minute discussion about uh, malt beverages uh, to open this show. I think uh, I think but, that was about but that six. It's, but so. more more that the point I was leading to is is not that. Um, I mean, it is that my younger self would be disappointed in me today for this and many other reasons. But moreover, like <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, your if younger gonna... self was probably kind of a precious little idiot. Nah, right? no, nah, he was fine. He was unimpeachable. Me now, though, piece of shit. It's all been downhill. All been downhill. But um, it's I mean as long if there's if there's going to be room for like Dr Pepper and Sprite and shit in my life, then there's room for another oh, sure. corn syrup drink. Yeah, I don't yeah, give that much of a shit, and yeah. I still have a you know I still drink beer when I want to drink beer or whatever. Yep. So um, whatever, yeah, yeah, open that, that thing. I'm gonna open this motherfucker up and, uh, fucking... and not apologize to my 16 year old self who had uh, real specific ideas of what a proper alcoholic adult version of himself should be. Oh sure, yeah. I, I think I told this story uh, in the last couple podcasts about being in Montana at a bluegrass jam and being like, yeah, whatever's in a bottle. And the guy was mm-hmm. like, always got stuff in cans. And mm-hmm. I think that was exactly a transition moment for 
me who had thought about the idea of drinking and then me who realized actually drinking socially and, and there was a, uh, a fracture there in our timeline split. Hmm. So that other version of me is out there somewhere being like, Pff. Cheers. L'chaim. Well, it's way it's way more apple-y than I than the other ones I've been having lately. I've had I've tried like maybe a half dozen different brands. Um, it's it's not it's apple-y and and kind of yes, but not like thick syrupy. It's like more watery than a lot of yeah it. yeah. It doesn't have that it doesn't taste like heavy corn syrup. But it does taste taste kind of sweet. I uh, Chris, this is Hornsby's crisp. Yes. In do case they, there are subgenres of Hornsby's, there uh, might be. This is crisp. Like this is this like and crisp is on a green label, like it's like a green apple sort of crisp. Maybe they've got a sweeter sort of red delicious sort of one that's got less snap to it. Yeah, or the something. Angry Orchard one has four different ones. They have like their t- traditional one and then crisp, which in which they're painting of the angry tree with that apple hanging off of its branch. The apple's green instead of red, and then there's one that's like you know spiced and then there's what, a seasonal seasonal cider uh elderflower or something they're all pretty similar but i would note that this is apparently sub subtype crisp but also just generically crisp and smooth they really want it, it's double crisp and also smooth is what this is yeah that's a word that has good connotations you'll hear that a lot in drink marketing yes it's like it's like the old saying: once smooth, twice crisp. No, no? I don't know that one. No, okay, um, sorry. Crisp I, me once, smooth on you. Uh huh. Crisp me twice, smooth on me. Yeah, won't get smoothed again. <laughs> won't get smoothed again. You, you smooth once, you don't get smooth again. Now watch this drive. <laughs> I want to talk just briefly here. Actually, I, I'm, I'm. Oh kind my of god! Do you have a topic? Thank God. Like, uh, about the throw Hornsby, me a life about about the Hornsby's bottle here because it's got Best. its name's Hornsby's and it's got a picture of a rhinoceros on it. And it looks maybe a little bit smug, but maybe it's just the upturn of the the mouth. But anyway, uh, what I want to know is, did they choose our rhinoceros because they were like, uh, "Hey, Jim Hornsby." Yes, my brother Ted Hornsby. What should the logo for our apple cider be? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps a rhinoceros. They have horns, like our name. Like, is it that, or was it like a rhinoceros named Theodore Hornsby? Was like, I should start a cider company, and I'll name it after myself, and my face will be on the bottle. And mm-hmm. by God, uh, which do you think it is? Probably it's the one former. Of those two. Okay. <laughs> If I'm forced to choose between those, two. I can't think of any other possible explanations. So I figure it's it's one or the other. I have to get out of the habit of saying that I I don't like the episode we're recording while we're recording you it. Really but do I? Re- I really feel like I <laughs> had really- a lot of energy an hour ago, <laughs> and I and and I'm like dozing off almost right now. Well, so um, I apologize. We'll pick it up. Yes, stick with. I've us. got I've got a plan. I'm gonna go to against. Revitalize you. I'm gonna go against my normal mode. And instead of uh, complaining about the show, I'm just going to say it's going up. We're a, we're a rocket taking off right we, now. We, we've moved from complaining about the show to talking about trying not to complain about the show. Yeah. So, you know, Definitely. it's... In fact, here's a good thing we could do. We should just recap the things we talk about every single episode. So... Um, like during the episode? Yeah, right like, now. Should we recap what we just talked about? If the last this is your first episode of The Crapshoot, you have missed 18... 18 episodes of us uh, talking about how I brought the beer. That's one. 
Um, hearing us open the beer. Hearing us open the beer. Talking about Cookie Clicker. Cookie Clicker is definitely uh, one. Talking and about creative paralysis. Creative paralysis. Excuse me. Almost every single episode. Um, God, there's. I had I had a bunch more of these. That Jesse's uh, inability to think of the names of cars on the fly. Yes, uh, Jesse uh, complaining about the podcast as we're recording it. Baseballs uh, oh, and or high noon no, on the moon. No, no, no. That we only. I mean, that was a call. We did Be- a call between those. There. That's like four episodes. But I'm not talking. about... That's not like every episode though. Um, uh, shit. Uh, Jesse being unable to think of uh, what he was going to say. God damn it. Oh, I had one a second ago, but then I got thrown off by the baseball thing. Sorry. That's okay. I've forgiven you already. Do you think a baseball could throw the sun into the moon? No. This, the sun is a uh, 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 miasma of burning plasma. Well, yeah, but assuming. To, to quote a... Uh, 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 they might be giant song. The sun is a massive incandescent gas. Right. They, they a gigantic re- they, nuclear furnace. They revamped that song because it's not actually gas. It's plasma. Oh. So they re-recorded it as well, miasma well, of burning plasma well, and you know, to be scientifically accurate greatly to their do, credit. Do you know the history of that song, though? Because it wasn't even a song that they originally had written. It was uh, their cover of an old song from like some 60s or maybe 70s album of songs about science so so not only did they apparently re-record it but they re-recorded it and edited for content based on the errors of an earlier well i think they re-recorded it in earnest first and then were corrected by their super uh, obnoxious fans um i mean they're super uh attentive fans and uh, agreed with them to their credit. I think. Excellent. Hey, remember the other thing I was going to say? We argue about whether we should edit this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you could please take that <laughs> point and move it back <laughs> so it sounds right, right. of a I'll piece just, with my other points. I'll just, I'll just put it in. Let's, let's do a quick, uh, you know, quick clapboard and... Mm-hmm. And that'll be the other point. People Perfect. won't even hear this part. I was just listening to your other podcast and you were talking about clapboards. Yeah, we were. We were talking about uh, Blair Witch and the clapboard that uh, disappeared. Uh, you know, have have you and I ever really dug into the whole who is the editor of found footage horror films question? Because no, I know me I, and Yakov have talked about it like probably a dozen fucking times, which is impressive yeah. since we've only watched three found footage <laughs> movies. But I just can't get the fuck off it. Apparently. One of which is a compilation, though. So. Yes, yeah, true, true. And, and, and therefore, which could have multiple different answers for depending on which yeah. segment you're talking about. Um, I don't know. I always thought, I mean, the Blair Witch Project is being something that was brought out ostensibly by filmmakers, but having been cut together from truly found footage. Yeah. Um, I think it's internally consistent because they're not saying, the people who put it in the theater aren't saying like, here it is as we recovered it from the evidence locker of the police station or whatever. It was like, hey, we're filmmakers and this is some unexplained film that we came across and yeah, we've edited it together for you, the audience. But there, I think it's consistent. But there, there's no, hey, we're filmmakers and we put this together for you. There's, hey, some footage was found. The bodies were never found. Roll camera. And see, so there's no presentation of a character who's saying, and I found this disturbing and intriguing, and we, we haven't been able to figure out what exactly happened in the, fil- the hills of Burgsville. But, the- but I, wanted, I wanted to show you my best you know, attempt to create a narrative of what happened, what strange things went on. You know, even if we're assuming that somehow a lecture circuit presentation of a snuff film would take place <laughs> in a major chain of theaters, 
there's still there's no explicit framing for that. I mean, I I think there was, but not in the movie. I think there was in, and this is the other thing. I'm sure I haven't listened to the entire Blair Witch episode of your other show yet, but um, I'm sure it's something you get to. But that this movie was really I haven't either. So. <laughs> <laughs> it really <clears throat> pioneered the kind of I you know put a knife in my head for using the word viral, please. But, uh, but the kind of like viral and and. Um, self-serious and self-consistent marketing campaign around it through like oh, engaging sure. with their yeah. audience on via their website that they set up that also had clips not shown in the movie that were like here's some other things that we couldn't fit in the movie but was part of the same collection yeah. of you know tape that we came across and stuff so i think there was um there was an implication of authorial intent in how it was put together and released in the theaters and in terms the, the of the people, marketing material around it yeah in terms of well in terms of right the right the the kind of ecosystem around it um, yeah. not not on screen once the lights dim in the theater but i think that was part of kind of the meta story yeah. and and that's fair i mean we really looked at it in the podcast there for example just in terms of what happened from start to finish in the film and the fact that there is this greater context is a fair point but at the same time it's not in the film you know, it's not mm-hmm. something that they chose to make part of the film, even though they could have framed it accordingly. And one of the things that I think is interesting about subsequent found footage films is the way that they tend to be a little bit explicit about the framing. Mm-hmm. One way or the other. They tend to try and either set up why this stuff was somewhere where it would be found and why things were more or less in the order they were. Or it specifically suggests that it was recovered and that someone cooperated with this, you know. Uh, you know, there, there's there's... There's at least suggestions within the context of the film itself of some externality causing the film to be what it is. Not always satisfyingly, and that's why I tend to always ask the question, is I feel like this question is never pretty much answered by these films. But uh, Blair Witch didn't even go with – and I think to some extent they didn't have to because – they were the one that sort of blew up. And then after that, people were like, oh, yeah, we should do that. But, you know, it always bothered me that so, you know, we'll, I, I've right. got a better excuse. Yeah, you know? in, a, in a sense, but in another sense, like, I, I'm always prepared to have some level of suspension and disbelief going into a movie because oh, sure. it's like, well, you know, I'm watching a thing projected on a wall and not yeah. a thing that I'm actually experiencing in real life. So there's I'm, there's some amount of buy-in that's always going to be required of you. And I also think that, you know, I, I, I'm worried that we get to the point where every single fucking movie has to have a a scene where the the guy holding the camera goes, no, we can't stop recording. It's too important that I film every piece of this. No, I can't go to the, go to the cops. It's just they will never understand. Like, does that have to be a scene? In, I mean, it, I, well, it's, 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 it's at the verge of being obnoxious yeah. because you want something on camera explaining why – why don't they just fucking turn off the camera and run type yeah. of thing? Like or why don't they just turn off the camera and fucking get over it and deal with it or whatever? Yeah, it's one of those tricky things where you can neither ignore it nor really find a particularly satisfying way of acknowledging it. Right. Uh, I would say the closest thing I can think of is maybe, I want to say Paranormal Activity 2 <coughs> took me. place in a large suburban home. Uh, and as part of the premise early on in the film, they set up a bunch of security cameras in the house in reaction to some sort of break-in or something. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, all of that stuff is presumably running unattended without needing anyone to be motivated. It just, you know, there hasn't been a catastrophic power failure, so the cameras are still running, so it's all getting printed to tape so someone can recover. Right, sure. You know, and that's sure. that's that's something at least. It's not uh, It's not real compelling, but... You know, but whatever. it's something aside from one yeah. scared, desperate guy like, saying no, to his like, own camera, "Why I have now is this document of my experience." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, 
Um, right, which is different. I mean, even the first paranormal activity, they were like adv- uh, advised by the people who were counseling them on the scenario to like, oh, just leave the tape running overnight or whatever. No, no, so, no, no, no. Actually, they not? The, the, the first paranormal activity, that's one of the maddening things <gasps> about it is all of the filming takes place because of the weird, implacable fucking ego of uh, the guy in it <laughs> who, despite basically everybody telling him not to, oh. insists on continued documenting and taunting the demon, essentially. I haven't seen yeah, that he is just maddeningly monomaniacal about it and just a huge, stubborn, dumb prick who's hateable. Like there's, mm. And I don't know if he was supposed to be hateable or just, like, obnoxious, but he really comes off as... Ah, just oh yeah, watch it again. So it's still it's it's a it's a good it's a good flick. You know, if you like the found footage horror style, it, it it's it's worth reviewing. But uh, God, he's terrible. He's the worst. Fucking Mika Sloat. The, the and the the one that I think holds up best is a the no one went back and edited this. This is just how it came off the camera setup but there's still obviously has to be stopping and starting and in camera editing going on with it was cloverfield i thought did it actually a really effective job i gotta see it sometime okay well i don't want to spoil anything but um uh one of the things you realize early in the movie is that um what you're watching is is a a tape out of a camcorder but one that's recording over another tape that was in the camcorder, so you get brief glimpses of what was being recorded over too. Nice, um, uh, which is used, I think, to good effect, and not 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 to not to supplement the monster aspect of it, but the human aspect of it in an interesting way. And it's not a movie I'll like go down swinging defending in a lot of ways, but it was a movie that did something's really right. I thought and and underrated i thought cloverfield kind of was i've heard a, i've heard a real mix of opinions on it so i'm mm-hmm. curious to see it at some point um especially how much i've been nerding about the found footage mm-hmm. stuff but uh yeah, i, I not, hear not a perfect film by by any stretch but definitely one that you should put on your list because yeah. i'd be curious to know what you thought of it and i hear what you're saying uh to jump back a little bit you were saying you know going in with a suspension of disbelief which i agree with that and and honestly if a film's any good like you know i will sort of get wrapped up in it even if I have a hard time not being analytical in the meantime, mm. I think there's something specific about the found footage genre that it's harder for me to really completely lose myself in it just because it's a genre that is so much more about filmmaking than a normal horror film. Like mm. a normal horror film, you can easily sit back and dispassionately look at the cinematic process. Uh, but that's because you're either the film's failing to engage you or you're choosing to you know, sort of do that, you know, the film is usually not itself really trying to be about filmmaking, whereas every found footage movie cannot help but be in some way or another about cinematography. Like you can't get away from the fact that it's a movie about cameras conspicuously pointed in unusual circumstances. You know, That's a really interesting point because I think that, yeah, or maybe put another way, um, the person behind the camera is a is a primary character in the story, yeah. and in another type of film, the person behind the camera is meant to be as invisible as possible, and yeah. transparent as possible. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I've heard people talk about like sort of film theory stuff with the idea that the the camera is a character, but I think that's it's a much more abstract idea in in most films than mm-hmm. in found footage, where it's like it's like you say, it's a primary character. Like the camera can't help but be, you know, one of the main presences in the film you are constantly aware of the camera as a thing in space because everything about the film is about what's being captured by that camera in whatever circumstance it's finding itself so yeah yeah it's never you know 
uh, it's never a fly on the wall. It's always the cameras being held by someone, and you know who's holding it, and yeah. you are and you are empathizing with them as a character as much as the characters who are in view of the camera. Um, hopefully, if it, if the film's working. <laughs> Well, I want to take a, a, a. I think we should take a, a break here because uh, we need to. Uh, we need to go do something else scary. And I told you before that we had a surprise. Oh, I thought uh, the surprise was these amazing baffles that you. Saw. No, no, no. Am it's, I using the right word? Yeah, yeah it's a baffle. Okay, they're baffles. We yeah. have these beautiful black and blue baffles set up in here. So if for any reason we sound better than usual. It's because uh, of the baffles. It's because it's just baffling. If you're feeling baffled by the rise in sound quality, well done. No, 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 no. These are just the, – the, I just set these up. Josh said there was going to be a surprise There's when I came over. There's going to be a surprise, over, yeah. And I've already been surprised at least yeah. once. So this was the fake out. So this is the catch jumping out of the cupboard uh, that's not yeah. actually the monster. The catch up uh, in the cupboard? The cat jumping out of the cupboard. Oh, This okay, is the catch up in the cupboard. Right. You know, it's, it's like your Uncle Saul always said, you know, keep the catch up in the cupboard. And you'll always be surprised. That's a healthy marriage, 30 years going now. Uh, I've married your Uncle Saul. <laughs> I'm your Aunt Saul. Uh, <laughs> it's really hard to explain exactly how this all happens. Uh, yeah, no, there's, we, we, we're going to do something shocking and, and strange, and, and, uh, and then we'll come back and, and we'll discuss it, is, okay. is I think what's going to happen. So. Okay. So we'll be right back. Books on the rain. Right, I'm uh, definitely going to need another cider for this. Oh God, do you think that's a good idea? Oh, it. Do you think it's specifically bad? Okay, so well, uh, it might be like a Mentos and Diet Coke scenario or something. So, so the the, the big surprise, the thing I was going <laughs> to spring on Jesse, we, we we left we left the house. He walked uh, me down the street, ostensibly to my death. Right? Yeah, yeah. I was sure. really hoping he would be, you know you know thinking over what you've done good and bad in, in your life um and i'm always got, contemplating my own death so we turn into Seven Eleven uh in the last 20 feet of the walk and my fears were realized and and, and yes jesse just like oh are we gonna get doritos loaded <laughs> <laughs> and we were going to get doritos loaded because i i found them a fascinating marketing thing and I, I figured, you know, let's try some convenience store food. And then Jesse says, oh, yeah, no, I already had them. I oh, already... wait, are you really getting them? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm really. And, uh, you know, it's like it's like you imagine maybe your first interaction, Ooh. like, with a girl you really like or something. It's like, and maybe you imagine some amazing sort of like, you know, hey there, how are you? I'm, you, doing, you having a good time at this party? And, and and then it turns out you're like, hey, you've got a thing. Hi. And they're like, I'm sorry. And it's like, I have to go. You know, it, it was just like basically you broke my heart, Fredo. You broke my heart. I did. Yeah. I don't know who. Whether, I don't know how I got I don't know whether there, I but. or the Doritos loaded are the girl <laughs> in that analogy. Never, <laughs> never go against the family, Doritos loaded. <laughs> Oh, see, first of all, I could have shown you how to open the box. There's a I, whole artist. I'm pretty there. sure I just opened the box. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the box is now open. Mission Doritos loaded. So what you missed was uh, Josh and I walked into a 7-Eleven. Josh said, can I get some of those Doritos loaded? And the guy's like, just one. He wasn't nearly that sassy. You make it sound like a sales pitch. He, I think he was just trying to clarify. 
I think he was just I trying to clear love. his shelves because once you buy oh, them, you never come back. Granted, granted. Well, no, he you're... knows me. I'm a that's that's the that's the very place that uh, has a variety of ciders, and is how I judge what every convenience store is selling. That's oh no, place. I'm not saying that. So you... he knows I'm coming back. No, he, I think because you go to the hospital was the joke I was going. Oh, for. I see, I see. I thought um, you made maybe there's like a fuck that guy for selling me this instead of wrestling me to the ground. Those that'll be your last words. Um, the, it's funny because I, you know, I. I <laughs> I, uh, yeah, wow, Doritos loaded. I feel like we're now both actively avoiding eating these for slightly no, different No, no, hold on, let me just talk for another 20 minutes. <laughs> the, the, um, but they're best when they're fresh from sitting for 12 hours in the... Well, here's what's funny about that is that when I got them, I was I was going to Savi Island, which is a, a you know a little place you can hang out on the beach for a little bit, or in the just outside of Portland, Oregon. I know, Saudi right Island. in your neck of the woods. Yeah, no, I've um, been there. I've fucking been there. Don't. I know. I'm talking to the audience okay. now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I told you. I told you guys it's, this episode was going to take off like a rocket. It's, it's really turning around now. It's my bad. I'm a little loaded. <laughs> I, uh... Ooh. Um, Oh my God! Is that why they called them Doritos Loaded? No, it's because you only buy them when you're drunk. No, that wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Um. So we stopped. At, we stopped to just get some snacks for the beach or whatever. And I was like, okay, I gotta buy these. And Whitney was like, oh, okay. And I and I go to buy them, and um, you know, it's like the 17 year old kid behind the counter, and he's like, all right, <laughs> you want to try them out? Uh, well, so here I'm telling I'm telling the story backwards. Whitney was checking out and buying her stuff and he's like did you want to try some doritos loaded today and she's like no thank you <laughs> and uh and then he's ringing me up and uh he was like did you want to get some doritos loaded with that food today and i'm like yes i definitely want that <laughs> and because of how harshly he had just been dismissed by my partner he thought i was being sarcastic and like being a dick to him and i'm like no no i, re- I really do and he's like no, it's a All disease. Right. I really want to buy them. And then the light returns to his eyes as he reaches over <laughs> and he pulls out a box and he says, these are the freshest ones in the case. And I'm like, oh, I'm fucking in for some fun now. <laughs> this is going to be a good time. I that guy was a master salesman, too. I wish I had something to hire him for on the spot because I would have. He was great. He was great. I, I, Bless I'm you, so, 7-Eleven guy. He's got a bright future. The guy in your 7-Eleven guy, he sucked. He just wanted to – I mean, he would love to shovel two My 7-Eleven guy is great. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> that guy, he doesn't try and embroil me with bullshit small talk when neither of us are interested. He doesn't <laughs> slow up the line for shit. He knows how to run a register. He doesn't, like, loiter when he knows you're in the store. He's like, oh, okay, a customer, I'll come. You know, he's, the guy's – He's fucking superb, is what he is. So you shut your 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 damn mouth. Well, he about could, he couldn't move. He guy. couldn't move two boxes of Doritos loaded today. He, I think he. We have a relationship. Whereas that kid would have moved knew, two boxes. No, see that kid might have moved. Both, we would have both walked out of that Seven Eleven with armfuls. See if the that difference kid is that kid didn't know you from Adam. He's like, I'm gonna fucking <laughs> take this guy for all he's worth. That kid was Ricky Roma, and you were that sad sack played by Jonathan Price in uh, the film version. Of Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Jesus Christ! Come on. Uh, no man, this kid—he he didn't know you anything. He was never going to see you again. He was just going to fucking go for the fucking gold. I disagree. This kid went home with ten boxes of, for himself and his Xbox playing gamer friends. He lived in an apartment with seven of. That, that'd be okay too. I'm just saying, this guy that my he guy, wasn't trying to sell guy, me down the river. He was trying to get me in to the new hotness. Of Doritos Loaded. I'm just saying you're reading my guy wrong. My guy, he knows me. I know him. He knows I come through and I buy beer on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. He knows I'm not going to 
be a pain in his ass ever. He doesn't want to, you know, fuck with the like completely chill, whatever. This is a zero hassle customer vibe mm. by trying to upsell me on multiple fucking units of Doritos loaded <laughs> is what I'm saying. He's like, no, this is a non-problem here. This is a friction-free recurring customer relationship, whatever. Let's just move it on. Mm-hmm. We're all good. You know. Well, if he likes us so much, why did he let us buy him? I'm going to assume that only one was sarcasm on his part, and that was as much as he was willing to broach. Like, you know, he was counting right. down. Like, he's like, only one? Are you sure you wouldn't like to upgrade that to zero? But he didn't say it because, like, you know what? Friction-free. Just going to – it's not my business. You well, know? I know you love him, but We've you probably – We've got a very Minnesotan relationship here. We don't really – we don't talk about our feelings, and it's better for for both of us. I'm going to fucking Obviously, obviously you love him, but I think you should write him out of your will because you're about to die, and it's his fault. See, my assumption is that this is sort of a, a mozzarella stick, but not mozzarella in any sense of the word. You're, really, you're pretty close. Yeah. Here, p- k- pass him over. I'm going to do this to myself again. For the second time in my life, I'm going to do this to myself. It's uh, my immediate impression, having taken a bite. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad as I thought, and it's more Dorito than I thought. Oh, I can't taste any Dorito at all. It's what it's it's like Dorito. This is the dumbest thing I've ever said, but it's like it's like Dorito flavored. You know, it's like they 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 took the Dorito and they ground it up and pulled out the essence of its natural flavor and then used that as a batter coating for this strange monstrosity that isn't you know naturally occurring like Doritos are. <laughs> That's like the opposite of my experience because it's like Dorito colored. The breading is like everything about a Dorito except the taste of the Dorito. See, I feel like it's the taste without the texture is the thing. Like, when we first saw the signage for these driving down the road one day, we started speculating about what they were. And my initial thought was somehow they were going to be like uh, a, a sort of pair of triangular Doritos, Blah. like Dorito chips that had a little bubble in the middle, like a ravioli that had some stuff in it. But this is really more like a mozzarella stick in... Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to talk through it. The chip, it's really not very good. <laughs> the chip being like real chip on the outside would be a good idea. That's that's what they did. Doritos is, is going crazy right now with their partnership with Taco Bell and stuff. Oh, um, shit. That's right. They've got the Dorito taco shit. Right, which which that is something that I thought they would just be a regular Taco Bell taco. <coughs> <coughs> Whoa, it just really sprung up on me. I was walking to you to your death. Yeah. It's not quite as directly as my, you expected. My slow, agonizing death. What the fuck was I saying? You were saying uh, Doritos. Oh, I thought it would be like a regular Taco Bell shell dusted with the Doritos powder flavor, right? But it's not. It's actually like Doritos chip material. So they had to develop these special like sliding cardboard cases for those tacos logos or whatever. Um, these... Uh, <laughs> It's really like I don't know. It's I swear to God, the best analogy I can come up with is someone took a bag of Doritos, nacho cheese Doritos, licked all the flavor off of all of them, and put them back in the bag. And since the bag was already open, they went over to the like nacho cheese dispenser in the Seven Eleven and just pumped that shit into the bag of Doritos with all the flavor licked off of them. And then they just took like a Seven Eleven spork and just started fucking mowing down on it and then someone saw him do that and they were like there's a market here those people will buy something that will taste exactly like that but is slightly more convenient to make see now i want to say i want to say it's like they took uh some dorito chips and these are i don't know whatever these are relatively like not really spicy but just a tiny bit of spice and a lot of cheesy that sort of uh 
Dorito flavor, like like Cool Ranch without the ranch. That doesn't make any sense. Doritos, cheesy Doritos, whatever the fuck. I, I'm not up to date on my Dorito flavors, but it's like they took two Doritos, one on the bottom and then one on the top, no, and then they like squeeze some cheese in between them and let them sit there, and then they put them in a humidor for like a week, and the 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 the, the, the Doritos just got more and more sort of soggy mm. and and without crispness, and they sort I'm of starting to see it. They became they they ended up enveloping the cheese in the middle. Uh, and then, and then I don't know. They threw them in an industrial microwave for a minute, and then let them sit on a shelf well, at Seven Eleven for a week. But the cheese is like not cheese. It's like cheese in a can. Cheese. Oh yeah, it's like cheese product. It's some sort right. of cheese substrate, some cheese-like solid. Like, I think is uh, probably che- what they call it in cheese, chemistry. Cheese-colored material. Yes. I don't know if I can finish this one. You're already on your second one. I, this is my third. There were four <laughs> in the box. If you can't finish what? one, then uh, I might have to perpetuate some negative aspects of the patriarchy by calling into question your masculinity on the basis of essentially fundamentally uh, sexually unrelated acts. Whitney saw me eating my second one, and she's like, your pants are going to be Doritos loaded later. <laughs> I'm going to pull out my phone and pull up a chat log <laughs> from the other day leading up to this. Because I feel Sorry, like that may I have been better. I don't want to throw her under the bus, but I also don't want to steal her joke without giving her credit. So there it is. I think I gave Angela, she was telling me uh, that I gave credit, gave her credit for a joke that wasn't hers. Hmm. Which uh, I feel bad oh, when I don't God. give someone credit for their joke. Oh. But that is maybe kind of the worst thing. If I started randomly giving credit for my dumb jokes to other people without mm-hmm. their knowledge, that does seem like maybe the worst act than plagiarism. It's like reverse plagiarism. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Is there a lot of... I mean, there, people misattribute quotes. Like, you look, really look like you're in pain over here. No, just, and just like... Just d- stop dizzy. eating it. Just don't, don't eat it. You eat three of them. I have to be able to get through one. <laughs> <laughs> just don't hurt yourself. I, you're I a monster. You. You, you, you knew this was happening and you just like shellacked the inside of your mouth or something. I no, already no. figured this <laughs> out. Orange bees. <laughs> Mm. Oh man! I want to. I want to be clear that I'm not actually trying to shit on the cider because I think it's if if what you want is an apple cider, it's perfectly fine. And again, I think I think of it as mainstream, not in the sense of like oh it's shit, but just in the sense it's very mainstream. It's a very uh, predictably sweet appley cider. Uh, oh, that's not but, a well designed mixture of flavors. But it, yeah, they, they don't go together well. <laughs> and I will tell you, as bad as the Doritos loaded are. In a way, it was easier to get through them than it would be to get through another one of these Hornsby's right now. Like, I, I, I may have to go get myself a beer from upstairs for my next drink because it, it's, it's, it's accumulating. I think the Doritos is part of the problem. We've talked about basically nothing this whole podcast. And I, 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 I'm doing the you thing. What am I doing? I don't mean that negatively. I'm going to spend this entire podcast saying that I don't mean things that sound negative negatively, which is like the worst thing to say because it's like – like, if you become that guy who's, like, all of his friends are like, oh, yeah, he's the one who's always shitting on stuff while saying he's not shitting on stuff, that's a terrible place to be. So I don't want to be there. So I just want to say I really appreciate you eating that Doritos loaded with me, and I really appreciate you bringing this Hornsby's here. Okay. And uh, I really appreciate a rhinoceros named Hornsby starting a cider company. I do like that the rhinoceros seems to be named Hornsby because it's a very adorable I, I, name. I really think that's got to be what it is. He's, he's like a sentient... <sighs> Bipedal rhinoceros. 
Are you going to throw up when you go upstairs? No, no. Okay. I, I don't really do that. Okay. I mean, I do that if I drink way too much. Uh, but I just try. I wasn't to talking about from the alcohol. Oh, I know. I know you're talking about the Doritos. I'm just saying. I can't think of the last time that I ate something and was like, "Oh, I got to hurl." Like I don't. When think was that the last time you ate something that's even in the same class of food? I've eaten some pretty shitty snack food before. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of my favorite uh, bits of no longer available. Uh, God, bar I keep food finding pockets of it in is, my mouth. <laughs> just you got to swish. Just just take that last swallow. There's no last just, swallow. I have to open a new one. Do. Okay, that works. No, that's okay. I'm going to need all the alcohol I can to uh, forget about this. The, there's a bar in uh, near in in Southwest uh, or North. Well, it might be Northwest. It might be like sort of close in near the clubs. Uh, anyway, right 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 on the border of downtown and. Uh, uh, close in northwest somewhere in there there's lowbrow it's northwest it really really matters which quadrant it is i'm really really going to focus on this the lowbrow uh nice little dive bar that uh drummer of the first band i was in uh he liked to go there and so we went there with him several times and uh they served a thing called cheeseburger fries now cheeseburger fry uh in this case was probably some sort of not super popular Cisco frozen product, but I've never encountered it anywhere else. So I can imagine that somehow this was an actual like in-house thing instead of just a product that they were the only bar in town dumb enough to order from Cisco. Uh, in any case, it was, it was like, imagine a, a mozzarella stick, uh, but also in there are chunks of, you know, probably D grade quality cheeseburger hamburger meat. Hmm. So it's like it's literally a cheeseburger. Stick. Oh, that's very different than what I was picturing from. Yeah, the name. yeah, and it, it it was it was objectively a bad thing to eat, but I fucking loved that, and I I was I was I was as close to sad as I've ever been, like legitimately sad about a bar food related development <laughs> as I've ever been in my life. When I went there one time and ordered the cheeseburger fries, sight unseen, and they informed me that they no longer had those. And I was like, I think I made them, I wanted to be super clear. Oh, you're out? No, no, we don't serve those anymore. And I was just like, and I don't think I've been back to the lowbrow since because, like, why would I? Well, it's like you put the revolver in your mouth and <laughs> the chambers were all empty. That, yeah, it's it's just like, you know, I can't even I can't even harm myself here. What am I doing at your dive bar? That's right. So what, what am I going to do? Order alcohol, you know, it's like... Uh, or, like, palatable food. <laughs> get out of here. No, please, leave. Um. That was, like, that was more or less my experience of eating them the first time, but I was way hungrier the first time. That was the problem. So I ate one, and then I, obviously, like you do, unless you're Josh Millard, apparently, you swear off ever eating one ever again. But then, 15 minutes later, I was already eating half of the... Other one. See, I don't know if I've then ever I started sworn throwing something into the seagulls, um, and uh, you know, kind of oh, worried that throwing, they were going to die. Throwing um to the seagulls. I heard throwing up to the seagulls. I'm still on the vomiting idea, and so I oh, thought you were no. like, and then I started throwing up to the seagulls, and I was like, wait, you were like throwing up in the eagles? No, he said seagulls. Right. Like I was imagining you like head in the toilet, and like uh, <laughs> desperados on the radio. And you're just like, why won't you come? She's brutal senses, been outmanned and frooms. You know, uh, that's the trigger warning. Vomit sounds. That's the uh, acoustic equivalent of eating these Doritos loaded. <laughs> 
I uh, I don't I think know. You hit the nail square. I mean, they're not good. They're not good at all. You love them. No, I can tell. I, I'm actually you I, wolfed the three down. I, I, you, I, you I was practically kinda, grabbed the half I was eating out of my hand when you were done with oh, the other I was three. Seriously, you looked you looked like you were in distress. I was willing to take you, that. You hit were for willing you. to just throw it down your mouth I, I, and then go I'm back willing, to the store and buy four more. I'm willing to. I'm you, willing. You should have taken them up on the second box. I'm willing to say no, no, definitely <laughs> not. I'm willing to save eat someone like if if saving someone from themselves involves most just favorite something. food of all time doritos <laughs> loaded you are you know I, I would be a lot more on board with them if the cheese was more genuinely like liquid nacho cheese because i fucking love that shitty convenience store what stadium was, movie what's theater the nacho difference cheese stuff. between it just because this is congealed, congealled yeah, yeah. Like if yeah. we if we had taken these and like microwaved them for like thirty seconds before eating them, oh my god, them, stop talking! I probably would have missed. We're gonna take a real quick break, and Jesse's gonna throw up at some seagulls. No, I'm just gonna pass out. Throwing up at seagulls. Fifty-seven pinballs. Eight that yesterday. Infinite facepalm. We're just doing it and seeing what happens. Our plan now is to do it and see what happens. Basically, we're going to see what happens after we do it. Every the, Here's the fun thing about Doritos fucking loaded is every burp you have after them, you're worried is going to be a productive burp. Yeah, they. I will give you that. I I was saying earlier, uh, I, I really – I can't think of a time uh, in my life uh, that I can recall that I, I chucked because of something I ate. Right. Like, I, I can't even think Don't of, Don't listen like, to this episode while you're eating. <laughs> we should put a big the spoiler way. up front. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I, I can't think of a time that's ever happened to me. Unless like, you're eating delicious Doritos loaded, Josh Millard endorsed. Yes. Uh, favorite food. He can't get enough, says I, I, I just, Jesse Holden. I can't load up. There's <laughs> uh, no such thing as too loaded, says Josh Millard. We should have Millard. called it uh, Doritos Reloaded. That would have been a better film. Uh the Matrix. Reloaded. Man, we're... F- <laughs> hey, remember the 90s? Uh, we're, we're, well, that was the early 2000s. Fu- so I'm shaking my head. A, because we're far, far afield, and B, this is like a minefield for me. Oh, really? Matrix? Yeah, because I'm a staunch defender of the second and third movies. I haven't... And I haven't, no one... It's just, I have not watched something them I have recently. to admit in, in decidedly... This is, com- you know... Yeah. I have to make a deliberate admission of this because otherwise the entire conversation turns into this is, that. This is, this, is, this is one of the things where it's, it's like in a movie where, like, uh, a bad guy uh, explains some stuff because he knows uh, that it doesn't matter because you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've cleverly tricked me into thinking that I'm tricking you into eating Doritos Loaded. Mm-hmm. And now you know you can just say shit consequence-free because there's no way that I will be able to respond in any way in the future to it. Me and that kid are just going to be from the 7-Eleven I went to. are just going to be high-fiving each other Yeah, all this, is, this has been a, the longest I'm, con. It took his, 19 episodes <laughs> to get to your master stroke. I'm his brand emissary for Doritos Loaded. <laughs> it's, I like that we're kind of starting a theme here with the Smirnoff Ice and then the Doritos yes, Loaded. Yes, no. We make uh, we, we we pretend to be endorsed by the most loathsome foods and drinks. That yes, we can find. I'm still looking for that sweet, sweet ironic uh, endorsement money. Yeah, uh, right. I feel like it, one of these days it's gonna it's gonna pay off. Uh, we should An instead of calling this episode bus. 19, uh, whatever Ugh. we said at the beginning, uh, we can call it Doritos Loaded Presents. Mm-hmm. Like they can't stop us from putting that on there. You really, you really seem uncomfortable. You seem like you're really trying to having difficulty processing uh, this whole Doritos loaded thing. 
Yeah, and it's. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to ham it up for the sake of the podcast or anything. It's actually just really no, it's, upsetting. It's a very understated discomfort. Um, and it's it's not even my first time having Doritos loaded. So <laughs> you'd think I would, you know, I would be hardened or dead by now, but apparently not. I'm still just as vulnerable as a kitten uh, to delicious Doritos loaded. Yes. Um. Okay, what the hell was I going to say? I'm delirious. I'm, I'm <coughs> Doritos delirious. I've got a little bit of Dorito loaded in the back of my throat, apparently. It's kind yeah. of tickling me. I have switched to uh, yeah, uh, actual beer. I'm drinking a uh, Blue Moon Rounder Belgian-style pale. And Blue Moon is kind of funny because they've sort of come on as sort of like one of those new brands in the last several years that seems to be showing up where you would sort of think, oh, maybe it's sort of an indie beer, but I'm pretty sure they are a product of a major brewery. But whatever, it's 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 tasty enough beer and it's cheap at the convenience store, so okay. Um, but it, Rounder, it's like a seasonal thing they're doing. And, oh, I'm sorry, it's part of their Expressionist Collection trademark. And uh, Rounder is a, a word that I learned uh, a meaning for uh, at some point in college, I want to say, where I went and saw some movie uh, that had some, like, 17-year-old actress in it who was pretty cute, but at the same time, it's a little bit weird to be like, oh, hey, yeah, that underage actress is kind of cute. And I process that by just, like, you know, leaving that the fuck alone. You know, it's like, doesn't need to be a topic in conversation. And a friend of mine processed it by saying, oh, yeah, she's a rounder. And I was like, I don't know what that is. It's like, oh, well, you know, rounder up to 18 and we're okay. And it, it felt Oof. like one of those things that was just like, like it didn't really seem like a him thing so much as a thing that he absorbed from his culture growing up sort of thing. Like I, I have a feeling like it's something that like maybe his dad would have said or something like that, you know. And it wasn't it wasn't presented vertically skeezly. It just sounded like a quick topped off, you know, tossed off Bon Mott. Right. It's one of the things that I remember it stuck with me at the time. I was like, oh, that's really clever in a kind of – Weird, gross way that I yeah, stop thinking about. That's so. pretty gross. Anyway, so this beer, delightful. Yeah, it's a rounder. It's a rounder up to eighteen percent, and I won't taste those uh, Doritos loaded. In. <laughs> I will say they haven't really hung around in my mouth per se, but I do. I don't know. I, it might be a psychological thing at this point. I was really going to try and they push us into discussing like spirituality, but I think we're just stuck on this. in my mouth, and they keep uh, ambushing me. See, I'm not really getting any uh, any pockets like that. I just have a, a vague sense of unease. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Malaise. Yeah. Dorito, kind of miasma. Doritos malaise. <clears throat> um. Yeah, you know, we were talking uh we had a beer the other day at a Metafilter meetup that was really fun. Um what just to just to make a side note here because I I don't want to forget again, but um do so. We had a couple of, we had a couple ideas for different things we could do for the podcast yes. like yes, we go did. outside and record it while we're disc golfing or invite the people from the meetup to be like one for one episode like an in-house audience. Yeah, set studio up a, audience. Uh, uh, set up a room like 15 feet over there by the pool table and let them play pool and 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 shout at us during it or whatever. And I think all all those like kind of weird genre breaking things are a good idea. I, I think I've yeah, endorse no. any I, I, and all of I, them. I, I, I consider this Doritos loaded thing a little bit of a a, a very minor trial run on that. Uh, oh, because I think this is the first I time we... my mind. Let's not do any of it. <laughs> well, but without the Doritos loaded. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, I don't think we've ever stopped a podcast and left the house during it. So it's like it's a baby step. It's like it's that's true. We did go out like have an outdoor adventure yeah. made podcast. Which and if we had if we had like a crew, uh, and uh, and such, we could have had someone follow us with a mic. 
Uh, or yeah, something. we could have gotten the guy on mic, and, and yeah. since we had an argument about his the tone with which he asked us for a second, yep. he wanted a second box, uh, the audience could have decided. I think if I ever started like a, a webisode type thing, I, I don't. I just use the word webisode without actually thinking to myself. Now let's be ironic. So I'm mm-hmm. fucked now because I think that's a first. Yeah, like you know, every previous usage has been completely ironic, but now I just said it because maybe our webisodes, maybe our webisodes will go viral. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could really, uh, we really get some uh, viral uh, uh, stickiness mm-hmm. uh, with our webisode initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, if we were to, our, our for social chart that, would go really, really up, really high. Yeah, basically, or, if I posted videos on the internet of a thing that I did, uh, it could be a thing where I go and like talk to him. He could be my uh, convenience store clerk from David Letterman, mm, except mm-hmm. for I'm not David Letterman. Uh, but uh, I get the impression that he's bored enough that he would be kind of okay with it as long mm-hmm. as like I didn't. Let's get him in here. I like yeah. him. Um. So, anyways, the other um. Sorry. No, no, please. Uh, the, the other thing was... Um, Jesse was just making jazz hands at me. <laughs> the um, the other thing that came up when we were talking was, uh, you know, it, it had come up in an earlier episode. I had, I had told a story about being arrested, I think. Yes. And uh, I realized that one of the things that we come from, one of the things, because we don't share, like, decades of friendship and just already having established boundaries around what's okay to ask about or what not, is not okay to ask about... Um, I, I would have been delighted to go into an anecdote about going to jail and stuff, but, um, I, you un- totally entirely understandably were like, maybe that's a fucking weird area to tread into. And well, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, especially f- cause you're never going to edit it out if it goes horribly <laughs> awry. So it would, maybe you just are kind of self editing on the I, fly. I, I have occasionally idly, but not very thoroughly wondered how badly something would have to go on the show for me to actually remove it. Right. Uh, and uh, and it wasn't so much because I was worried about that so much as like, yeah, I just didn't want to assume that you necessarily wanted to talk about it. I mean, I don't I don't want to press you to like talk about like a bad day at work or anything because it's like, you know, what if it's kind of like, you know, it, it'll bum you out or you don't really right. want to have the liability. But you have, I suppose, talked about shaving your own or not shaving, but waxing your own balls. Mm-hmm. So you probably have established a certain permissiveness of talking about things that are potentially taboo. So, uh, I feel yeah, I feel like um, if there were to be a, such a thing that I wasn't comfortable talking about, I would be comfortable saying that I'm not comfortable. Exactly. About it. So, so I, probably, don't, I don't think I yeah. think that you can just basically probably, go okay. to town on. Do you me. want to talk about the time you went to jail? No, I want to talk okay, about okay. the other thing. Okay. You were before we started recording. You were asking me about religion and spirituality. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is all a roundabout way of saying, saying like okay it's him? okay if you want to talk about it, even though I don't know if I have that much interesting shit to say okay. about religion or spirituality. Well, what's, what's what's your fucking deal with religion and spirituality? This time? Oh, I think that we're probably um, here because a Gaia put some good crystals in the ground, and then our <laughs> chakras tied into that somehow. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like I this 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 speaks to how uh, relatively inattentive I am as a uh, co-host who enjoys talking with you. Mm-hmm. That uh, Angela actually mentioned uh, that her impression is that you probably had kind of a new agey uh, upbringing, whereas my impression was mostly that oh maybe there wasn't so much. Uh, uh, city comforts based on your description of some Ukiah stuff. Was that? Is I that... think both of yeah, those things are are probably both pretty true. I mean, I grew up in a pretty rural. You know, Ukiah is not a big town, and I grew up thirty minutes outside of it in the hills. Basically, you know, we had electricity and running water, yeah. but we weren't on the grid. Were you were you, were you ever called up for juror duty? Were you ever a rural juror? 
This is a pun, I think, that yeah, I'm not know, getting. I just wanted to know if you're ever a, a, a rural juror. It's just the worst phrase in the world. Rural juror? Rural juror. Oh, yeah. okay. Were you a rural juror? A rural juror? Yeah, a rural juror. No. No? Okay. No, I never I never have said that. See, you... I actually really want to know what you're saying, but then I had to jump in with that. Because no, that's okay. Juror. I wasn't saying anything. Rural have you juror. ever been on a jury? Uh, no, I, I, I got... I've uh, been in front of a I jury. I got killed in uh, voir dire once, but... <laughs> oh, rural juror. Not killed. I, I got... I, I didn't get... I got... I got shot down as a member of the voir dire crowd. If you, the audience, can just picture a chalkboard with a big vertical chalk line drawn down the middle, and on one side I've handwritten jokes Josh has made that I've gotten. Oh, it's not a joke! And on the other side, jokes Josh has made that I haven't gotten, and then just 50 check like hash marks on the right side and zero on the left. Wardeer is no joke, buddy. It's the process <laughs> by which they narrow down a larger jury pool to the actual 12 who sit on the jury. Mm. Uh, so basically the lawyers from both sides ask questions and we answer them, and anybody who could possibly be a good juror gets kicked off. Right, because you have opinions yeah. or philosophies yeah. about they, they how try and find the work. 12 least engaged Least educated, least attentive, ideally least race of either of the people involved, if there's any racial mm. component possibly, uh, people in the jury, and those, uh, you know, could go on. Sometimes, you know, people slip through the tracks who have opinions. Have opinions, but, sure. uh, you know. Also, I took a picture earlier uh, when we were at Leisure. This is out back, and, and Angela saw this pipe, and. What? It's just, it's just got some eyes, and it's. That's pretty good. It is pretty good. I did, I did. This is one of the worst podcasting moments ever. What was I thinking? Hey, everybody, <laughs> listen to us look at this picture and say, eh, mid, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's not mid bad. Mid story. It's pretty good. <laughs> Interrupting yourself. It's, uh, it's decent, yeah. Well, that was pretty much the end of my jury duty story. Oh, okay. I, I, I didn't get it, and then I had the flu, so fucking... Anyway, you you were talking. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't even know how to answer the the question. Do do you, maybe you should start. What's your What are your views? First of all, what are your views on aliens? That's what I want to know. Uh, I I don't particularly think they're out there, but it's a big universe, and it's not impossible that there's you know life elsewhere. I think it's unlikely that any civilization capable of space travel is capable of avoiding self-destructing itself within any measurable geological span. So I think if if we're going to say the universe is so big that life is very likely, and if we're going to go further and say the universe is so big that life is likely enough that in a bunch of places there's life and one or you know one about a million of them turned into a civilization say comparable to current human history and thus potentially space travel, even then, the likelihood that that civilization would then exist long enough in the same window of galactic or universal time as we are to survive getting as far as where we are seems really, really, really unlikely. Because basically any civilization capable of coming across us and being intelligent life elsewhere in the universe that we encounter would have to canvas would, – well, would have to either be – incredibly lucky to trip across us or would have to canvas a huge amount of the universe in order to reliably find us in which case it's either a universe spanning you know civilization which is just beyond human comprehension or uh or it's just not gonna fucking happen you know they might have found us a million years ago or a million years from now by chance or by throwing us but the chances that they find us right now before we uh, possibly blow ourselves up sometime in the next thousand years generously uh, I don't know like your mom says we're fucked 
We, I think we are fucked. Although I think it's interesting that you say that part of the reason that it's not likely to happen is that that the presumed other species has to get past the point where they have the means to kill, wipe out their entire own race and still have to technologically advance beyond that. Because it seems like a weirdly human-centric idea that they would even have any reason that they would wipe themselves out. I think that's kind of just our gig. (laughs) I think think systems that can change themselves are inherently unstable, is how I will put it. Hmm. I, I think you can find a lot of relatively... Decent equilibrium of nature in systems that aren't particular. Excuse me, I got hiccups. Aren't particularly self-modifying. It's probably the Doritos loaded. Uh, they're there trying is to unload. No question that it's the Doritos <laughs> loaded. I, I so so in, in in nature you see lots of systems that find a natural equilibrium, mm-hmm. and then a fair number of systems that find uh, a, a chaotic equilibrium or lack of equilibrium. But uh, most of these systems we're looking at are non-sentient. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. Uh, when you look at the cycles of wildlife in nature, when you look at you know wolf population versus rabbit population and the way they can sort of cycle somewhat in sympathy and out of phase based on the availability of prey food and uh, right, but there's a carrying capacity that yeah yeah, to. but but it's not because the wolves are sitting around sitting around saying you know what we should do we should overpopulate and then die off from a lack of food and let the rabbits build up and then boom again when there's sufficient food for us to you know survive hard winters you know no the, the wolves are just doing what they're doing the rabbits are doing what they're doing and and the fact that you get that equilibrium is great but if the wolves could say you know what's really great rabbits let's organize and get some guns and kill all the rabbits we can find you know and then you end up with this horrific crash because the wolves suddenly have no food because they hunted out their entire food chain and then the wolves completely go away and that's that's what humans can do. Humans can sit down and say, you know what? I've got an idea. And the thing about having ideas is so many of them are really, really bad. <laughs> uh, and on the small scale, whatever, that ruins your day or that ruins your life. Right. On large scale, that destroys your civilization. And I think it's, I think it's a unique it, – it's something unique to higher functioning sentient species to be able to modify systems in a way that can lead to artificial catastrophes. Because a, a, a meteor can take out the dinosaurs, but it's not like the dinosaurs had agency there. The meteor just happened to be the one in that you know period of 200 million years that hit the Earth in a really big climate change sort of way that catastrophically changed things beyond the dinosaurs' ability to in any way hope to react. You know, if they didn't tough it out, they're dead. So they're dead. Humans, we can invent our own meteors. We can come up with shit that will be terrible for us in a way that nature would not have reliably produced in any time any anything like that short of a time scale and i don't think other sentient beings with a capacity for invention and a capacity for ambition would be any more immune to that oh i i i think it's um i i i feel like i follow your argument but i think it's still it brings so much baggage from our own experience in the way that life has evolved on our planet which is so you you know it's literally the only example we have that we're aware of. And, and so it's it's easy to underestimate how much of that experience we're just importing to our presuppos- presuppositions about how life evolves on other planets where, um, you know, this whole even the mere idea of survival of the fittest is something that comes because of competition and becomes of and comes because of, um, you know, resource contention and all these other aspects that 
we or would probably be a reality of life on another in another environmental scenario on another planet but maybe wouldn't be or maybe would be but in some other way that that's or or is resolved in some way aside from uh you know like war and battle in that way and so it could be that you know we we have evolved in in a way that we need to fight to get what we need and 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 that's not necessarily going to be the experience of another species and so when it when it achieves the level of sentience and the technological level that you're talking about it may not have all this uh species baggage of needing to employ that technology in destructive ways um and and I'm not saying that this is an argument I'm making that it wouldn't that would or wouldn't be that way at all, but but that um, the possibility the, exists. Right, the, the universe of possibilities paradigm. for another species whose background we we can make zero assumptions about um, is very very broad. And I and I think the ways that we presume them to be human like aren't just because we picture them as Star Trekian bipedal humanoid aliens, but even that 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 their entire mode of thinking and strategies for success in life. Are the similar to ours, which they may not be for sort of an any number of reasons. Anthropological principle that you're, you're you're positing is being applied here. Sure, even thinking about those, it, it could literally be the only life on its planet for some reason, and, and you know, gaining sustenance in other ways than than ways that we're familiar with. Well, and maybe without any sense of individuation, like if it's a true hive mind, then there's that you lack that conflict because there's not the sense of competition for resources. It's just more a sense of what are we capable of as a collective entity, maybe. Totally, totally. It, I mean, a, a species that perceives its its peers as um, part of the same consciousness or the same group, or it's a species that is completely has no consideration of its peers at all, or something. I mean, who knows? But then, at that point, is it possible that? Uh, the concept of individuality is itself a kind of uh, sort of uh, conceptual virus that any species would be vulnerable to because we're basically to some extent we're positing the idea. It wasn't that one Next Generation episode. <laughs> oh, sure, certainly yes. Well, if even Star Trek can pose this, then then you know it seems like it's it's an idea worth considering because. Yeah, sure. if you take the idea of a hive mind, everything and can, comes back to Star Trek. I'm take total. I total take responsibility for that. If anyone, oh, yeah. if I, anyone thinks it's annoying, I was everything gets tied it, back. But I wasn't saying it. Yeah, it's my fault. I, was I watched not Star Trek. Console, I was thinking about Hugh, but I wasn't bringing it up. It was Hugh. Yeah, yeah. that's a good memory. Um, he was a, he was a pretty major minor character, man. He was uh, a major minor. character. He was character. part of Picard's you know you know series long uh, character arc. Mm-hmm. He was part of Picard's redemption. Uh, in a sense, oh god, I'm buying into it now. I'm talking about it too. I haven't yeah. updated LARP Trek in like a month. <laughs> I went to the I went to the lake and I drew a strip while I was at the lake because I felt bad about not updating while I was at the lake, and I haven't updated since then. So once again, some jokey bullshit non canonical LARP Trek strip has been sitting there while people have been like, <laughs> "Fuck, is it gonna update it again? What the hell?" So I feel a little bit bad, but uh, excuse me, uh, Gazundheit. Um um, what were we talking? Oh, so yeah. Anyway, so so individuality is a virus that corrupts hive minds and and leads to the inevitable downfall of uh, species by falling into patterns familiar to humans, even if they're not familiar to humans uh, from the get go. That's my theory. My theory is yeah, that the thing that eh. defines us as the species, even if it doesn't define other uh, alien species, will destroy them. And perhaps our strength is being so accustomed to it that in the period where we don't destroy ourselves, we cope better with it. It's like we've got we, we've got a sort of like psychological sickle cell anemia, which you might look at from outside from a different alien perspective and say, oh, 
what a fractious, conflicted pile of mess these humans are. But we, we can reject certain kinds of collectivist despair and failure mode because we've got this weird uh, sort of uh, conceptual disability in the way we perceive ourselves and others in terms of individuals and groups. I still, I still think it's too, it's too presumptuous to say, to assert that a, a race technologically advanced to be visiting us inevitably has to have gotten through a, a, a parallel, uh, you know, whatever the equivalent, their equivalent of like the being on the brink of nuclear annihilation is to us. Um, you don't now that's like, not to say you I don't feel I'm, like every space going species necessarily has to have had its Cuban Missile Crisis. Right, I, I right, or, or even the idea of a missile has to have occurred. That's the episode title we won't use because I won't listen to this part. <laughs> the non-user, the non-universality of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Doritos Loaded presents. <laughs> Let's just call it Doritos Loaded presents. That should just be the name of the episode. I think. Um, Doritos any, Loaded anyways. presents episode nineteen. Doritos Loaded presents. Yeah. <laughs> Ft dot. <laughs> Hornsby's Hard Cider. Doritos Loaded presents episode nineteen. I hate Doritos Loaded. <laughs> I obviously I get way out in the in the in the woods on this because I think that um, th- this is another thing that's just an evergreen topic for me. But I think that frames of reference are really important, and I think the better we can do at stepping back and seeing our own frames of reference uh, and presuppositions as well. Uh, the the better we can understand the potential of of things that we don't know entirely. Um, well, I think that's totally fair. So uh, so, anyways, I you know, I, I, it, it's like a conversation I had with my partner Whitney about um, the evolution of warfare and and how that's a very male thing, and and the way that war is waged has always been traditionally driven by, you know, for for historical and biological and sociological reasons, has been a real male driven thing, and. Uh, well, what would war look like if it had been a female thing? And I think it's it, it's it's very likely that it wouldn't just be a little different; it would be unrecognizable, and that conflict resolution could be an entirely an entirely different thing. That uh, that isn't just like oh, it's like war except the girl war. I think it just I mean, war as we understand it could be entirely fundamentally completely different if if our species had evolved in a very different way sociologically. Um, uh, but it's hard to explain because I'm talking about like <laughs> I'm not I it's I can't make a suggestion of what it would be like just that it's probably more different than we our picture. Well, and I think that's an interesting question because on the one hand I, I find the idea really intriguing and I, I don't want to discount the possibility of that. But on the other hand, I kind of wonder if if we make certain assumptions about the nature of humanity that you know we are essentially gravity bound uh, nutrient starved, short-lived, bipedal entities on the surface of this planet with the resources it has, uh, that at a certain point, conflict is going to take relatively predictable forms just because everything will tend to converge to that point. You know, the, the, the idea that war would take a form other than people using the current state-of-the-art technology to make, you know, casualty disincentives for the other party to be involved... Like, I don't know how much different it can get if that's a possibility. Like, to some extent, I feel like war happens the way it does because people don't have any more attractive alternatives. Because no matter how conceptually attractive an alternative is, when it gets down to it, if you really want it and the other guy's not cooperating, blow some shit up. 
send right. some guys out there with guns and, and bayonets and whatnot. You know, that's that's the tricky part is like how do you get to the point where everybody agrees to war being something other than the specific nasty, violent thing that it is in practice? People wouldn't have to agree to it because it could be equally nasty and violent, just different. See, this is where I really want to <laughs> like, like I want an idea not to say, uh, right. you know, you prove it to me, but because I find the idea really. I know. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's ripe. And I feel like I, I again, like I was complaining at the beginning Ooh, of the ripe. episode. Ooh, Doritos loaded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, I, I feel a little bit uh, like I'm disappointing today because I was I just didn't have the energy going See, into don't this recording. Don't do that. No, 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 no. You're so, good. so I you're feel good. like if it, like, you know, maybe we can come back to this after I've had a little time to yeah. mull it over. But yeah. um, we'll revisit this. M- the you know may, maybe the idea that you have to cause ca- casualties meaning deaths on the other side to overwhelm the opposing force when. You know, uh, a conceivable parallel universe, weapons could be developed that are incapacitative or create comas or create um, uh, full body complete suffering in a certain way or or just incapacitate people in a different way or um, or that even like like uh, war as a as a mode of inflicting direct physical harm on another group uh is secondary to direct social harm or direct economic harm or or other things that because of a different construction of society actually are more devastating um or you know i mean the whole, the conversation started with the with the idea that the shape of a gun is really phallic and maybe that's because men are primarily responsible for the development of the gun and well oh, the, yeah the but at the same time with Whitney cuz right. it's like i don't even yeah, remember no, that right but but at the same time like well there's only so many ways you can design a projectile flinging thing right because it has to have certain serve certain physical purposes and stuff like that and it just kind of spiraled into this larger conversation about okay well in a sense point, you could pointing think of at a someone gun. And making them die is obviously a design goal for weaponry, right? But is that you know that presupposes just the war as we know it, which could be very different, I think, in a lot of ways. I want to say, how wide does the bore on a gun barrel have to be before it goes from being phallic to vaginal? Basically, big (laughs) enough to put a penis in, I guess. Is is, I'm going to answer my own question and say, there you go, a a two gauge shotgun, I guess, is is the answer to that question. But. I kind of, I kind of regret going there. I think, I, I think this whole thing is a really interesting topic, and I, it, it's funny because I feel like my specific argument is almost kind of like a rejection of speculative fiction and science fiction by saying, "Oh no, no, it, it'd just be like it'd be like right. humanity," uh, which is actually the most boring argument to make. I mean, it could be an interesting argument to have, but right. I didn't really present a solid case or anything. It's just a very thumbnail sketch. Uh, but I think to some extent it's 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 funny because I haven't read a ton of science fiction, and I think basically science fiction probably has a ton of great counter arguments. Uh, but to me even, or to you? To me, well, probably to both of us. Okay. But, uh, but anyway, my sort of like no, no, it'd be pretty much like humanity is a really boring argument that science fiction is probably full of alternative proposals to. Uh, but I want to say also, yeah, there's like three different things that Frank Herbert did in the in the dune books that counter you know what i'm saying that i actually and i love those books and so it's kind of funny that like i'm making the my my unsupported argument instead of bringing in some of the, <laughs> the dune stuff that i really love so sure um 
I don't know. So, like, maybe setting aside the question from now of, do you think that there are these alien species that have, that have made contact with humanity in any meaningful way? Uh, because I, it's, it, in some ways, that's actually kind of a boring question to me. Yeah, but, I mean, my, my boring short answer is no. But no, um, I completely fucking don't. But more interestingly, uh, assuming that that can happen, would it be something that we would recognize immediately as such, or would it be the other species or intelligence, whatever form it took, be so outside of our expectations and realm of experience that we wouldn't immediately recognize Which it I think is such. an interesting question. And um, chock full of potential sci-fi purposes, too. Right. And that's, that's, I think that's more kind of how I get into my ideas about, well, how else could a species have evolved aside from this kind of standard humanoid? Uh, how else could it have overcome the limitations of space that you're describing where it's very difficult to travel and map broad interstellar regions and things like that? Um, because uh, I think we, because of how we go about understanding the world, we humanize everything we look at, not humanize in a way that we empathize with it, but humanize in a way that we try and make it look at it as if it were a human. I mean, that's why yeah. domesticated animals are really popular is because we just think of them as weird, dumb humans. In <laughs> they some think ways. they're people and they're right. like, fuck you, buddy, um, feed me. So, uh, so, so I think that, right, there's a lot of possible answers that we inadvertently don't consider i think strongly enough because we presuppose that yeah it's not within things it's not are within more the human than they may necessarily be conceptual axioms about uh right sentience and life and, and and such things well i think i think that's a that's a pretty good stopping point which is good because my battery is almost dead and my oh, okay and my disc is almost full but i wanted to show <laughs> you by the way uh there was a photo that I read uh, the, so speaking of that first photo you showed me call back to uh 15 minutes ago or yeah, something whatever yeah, the, the googly um, eyes i love except they're not real googly eyes they're stickers that yeah, have eyeballs yeah, yeah. i love real googly eyes because i um speak this is also speaking of looking everywhere and seeing people everywhere is that you you know the way the way pipes may look at the side of a building or a whatever i you see faces everywhere there's actually a name for this the way people yeah, have this weird uh, periodelia or yeah, periodelia or these I don't people know how to people it. are wired to look for faces yeah and we, have, we have and random patterns strong and stuff. face recognition hardware right uh, and and it's and it's really disorienting because it makes us see faces and things that aren't there yeah uh, which i love and get and, off on. And, and other familiar forms but and faces and are a really I, good example i think it's a i think that everyone should follow me in this just get a bunch of googly eyes and sticky bad googly eyes yeah. and just put them on shit when no, you I, see a face put eyes on it it's really really funny to yeah me. When I, and if i see something like that i'm really happy so do yeah, it for me please. exactly yeah. i'm trying to do it right now you should do it too. Little tins of googly eyes are so cheap on Amazon. Please do this. Just, just get it on. Then your class will be. Well, I wanted to show Jesse uh, the picture that made me think. Oh, you know what we should do? We should get some Doritos loaded in the podcast because <laughs> uh, this was definitely the moment that inspired me. Is it, a, this... is it a picture of you like flipping off a photo of me or something? No, no this is this, this. I found this on the ground. <laughs> God, uh, I found this on the ground, and I think it was like a block from a Seven Eleven and a block from a food kitchen. And uh, and somewhere in that midpoint, someone took most of a box of Doritos loaded and just left it on the ground. Right, or they threw up into an empty Doritos loaded box. How would we know the it difference? All looks, it all looks a little too coherent. <laughs> I would expect the chunks to be smaller. Uh, but there's cheese everywhere, and I think that's part of what made me think that there would be like more liquidy cheese in them, mm. is this terrible picture of... <laughs> discarded Doritos loaded uh, but yes my battery is going to die so I think we should uh, we should call it so we managed to dodge basically entirely the bullet of uh, 
spirituality uh, and yeah. really even of specific opinions about the existence of extraterrestrial life beyond conceptual frameworks for same so it's maybe, a big conversation to bring up after an hour of we've already maybe been what we should do is we should talk about that while we throw disc golf discs at pier park oh, i thought you were gonna say throw up our doritos look no 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 i'd say that is, i've established i'm not gonna i'll just i'll just be unhappy and then poop them out next 24 hours or so and you know that's <laughs> next how 24 works. minutes yep Sorry, right. to, I don't want to end on that. I'm, Jesus Christ. Uh, aliens are <laughs> real or not real. I bet maybe. aliens have digestive problems, too. Yeah. See, see, see y'all next time. Yeah. <laughs>